You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona. We're going all the way back, back to the back 40. It's the first Saturday of the month, so we're talking farm fresh this week. This month, we're covering tomatoes. We've got Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau, just in from Parker, Arizona. Yes, just came in last night, rolled into my house at midnight. So it's the launch of 14 different county annual meetings that Arizona Farm Bureau will be hosting. And last night's was La Paz County's annual meeting. It was really fun. And it's so pretty up there. You kind of drive into the canyons and you go past the river. It's just beautiful. So what do you do at an annual meeting, county so meeting? It's kind of a culmination. They uh, get some of their policy voted on. Oftentimes, if new officers are coming in and going out, there's got to be an election of officers for that particular county. And really for Farm Bureau, the counties are what I call the core. They're the power. They're the grassroots. They're the ones that drive for us at the state level all of the policy that we need, that we're obligated to carry out for them. And that's the policy that we we do to protect our farmers and ranchers. We're in the business of making sure that John and Jane Doe, farmer and rancher here in the state of Arizona, can be profitable and successful and continue the next generation. And it all starts at the county. So La Paz County Farm Bureau was on a roll because they launched it all. And literally, we'll have all of those 14 county annual meetings completed by the end of August. Actually, we have one the first week in September, and that's Greenlee County Farm Bureau. That's, I think, the second or third of September, but most all of them are taken care of within August. And does every county in Arizona have a Farm Bureau, or is there one that doesn't? Uh, There's only one. Pima uh, and uh, Santa Cruz County are kind of combined. So we have 14 active counties of the 15 counties in the state of Arizona. It's pretty cool. So really all of them are active. Our farmers and ranchers are busy. (laughs) <laughs> and one of them we're about to talk to is a really busy guy. Yes, the director of the Department of Agriculture is joining us today as well. Mark Killian is online. Welcome, and thanks for carving time out of your Arizona Saturday to join us online. Glad to be there. Julie, how are you doing? Good. Doing great, Mark, and thanks for being a member of Arizona Farm Bureau. i got to throw that prop out there. <laughs> That's right. Our family's been a member for many, many years. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we... Th- Go ahead, Roman. I'd say first, what's the difference between the Arizona Farm Bureau and the Arizona Department of Agriculture? What are the different functions each entity serves? Well, because Mark has a more important title than I do, do I think he should answer that. <laughs> well, there's several things. The Department of Agriculture, which was created by the legislature back in 1991 by combining a whole bunch of commissions, has a charge to protect, promote, and regulate agriculture. And so I tell people we speak about agriculture, but we don't speak for agriculture. And the the Arizona Farm Bureau speaks for agriculture. They're not in the regulation business. They're in the business of promoting agriculture and helping farmers and ranchers to develop policy to impact my Department of Agriculture, their Department of Agriculture, in, uh, in our rules and regulations, any statutes that need to be changed. And so we're really, as in all the organizations in the state that deal with farming and ranching, we work hand-in-hand. We're, we're sister, uh, sister relationships in those uh, activities. 
that was a beautiful uh, explanation. And again, Mark Killian is the director of the Arizona Department of Agriculture. And one of the reasons why I asked him to come on, and he has been on the show before, but he's so well embedded in the agriculture community, including having a generational farm and ranch family himself. Uh, But that was one of the things that I love to kind of describe and following on Mark Killian's cue is that, you know, we're in this together, the Arizona Farm Bureau, we're not a governmental organization, but literally that policy drive in the counties with all these county meetings that we're experiencing this month will influence what goes to the legislature. And then once it passes in the legislature, if there's some kind of regulation management that has to take place based on what's passed, then Mark and his team kind of oversee that. Is that a fair description also, Mark? I think so. That's exactly what what goes on. And what what the Farm Bureau does, uh, to a large degree, they have uh, various levels of government that they have to deal with. They deal with the feds, they deal with the counties, they deal with the state, they deal with the local cities. And and so many times uh, the Farm Bureau is engaged at all levels of government because government at all levels has a tendency to uh, work on, or I don't want to say work against, but work on agriculture issues. And many times people trying to make those decisions aren't really familiar with what's going on in agriculture at the ground level. Exactly. And the ground level is where it all starts, especially with agriculture. And that's why, Mark, I think we should ask you about your generational farm and ranch family. Can you give us a kind of brief overview in this segment of the show? Sure. My my family uh, has been involved in farming and ranching in Arizona for over 100 years. Uh, it goes clear back in the 1870s, 1880s. Both on my mom's side and my dad's side, uh, they were involved in business and farming and ranching. And we've owned ranches and farms in Arizona and California and New Mexico and Colorado and Kentucky. And today we're all consolidated in Arizona we farm down by Arizona City, and we ranch in Safford and Wilcox, and up, up near Sholo, we have uh, a program where we sell our beef at our farm there in Mesa. My son Philip runs that program. It's called Killian Beef. We grow cotton and alfalfa, and uh, in the past, when my grandpa started the farm in Mesa back in 1929, he grew citrus and melons and had a feedlot and uh, my grandpa partnered with Mr. McKellops, McKellops Road, Mr. Lincoln, Lincoln Drive. Mr. Lincoln was a nephew of President Lincoln. They were the first two people really to come in into the East Valley and grow citrus, and they partnered with my grandpa, and they sold citrus oranges all over the world. In fact, when my dad was in the Navy back in the end of the World War II and he was unloading ships in Guam, he unloaded a pallet of Sunny Mesa Citrus. Oh, I love it. Made, made him homesick. <laughs> so, I bet. Uh, yeah. So we've been involved in, in farming and ranching, and uh, my grandfather, to put it go a little further, he was Secretary of Arizona Streams Commission and was on the original group that created the uh, Central Arizona Project, and uh, so our family's been deeply rooted in, in agriculture in Arizona. And you're embedded the where the citrus farm and where you sell your killing beef it's right off of higley and is it southern and yes thousands of cars pass it daily and they don't know that there's this little constant <laughs> concentrated 
farm or ag business that's going on. So you're embedded in the urban community with your agriculture. We're totally surrounded, and we love our neighbors. I hope they love our flies and our smells. But anyway, we <laughs> it's have a our farm there, and <laughs> they love the trees. Uh, some of those trees are the original trees that my grandpa planted back in 1948. Uh, they're navels and Arizona sweets, and uh, that's our headquarters for all our operations. And besides the Freemans, we're probably the last true operating farm in Mesa City limits. Now, are you committed to staying there in that little corner so to speak we'll stay there as long as the city will put up with us and (laughs) so so far they seem to be putting up with you you know it's interesting uh the neighbors uh everyone likes the the uh the cattle and and of course we've got our chicken tractor there now and they like to come look at the chickens and the and the cattle we're right next to sunland village and we get a lot of the midwest farmers that retire there and they always walk over onto the farm and want to see what's going on and which we we appreciate and enjoy and it's kind of a little oasis for the urban folks to see what's going on with farming and ranching and uh, we've got one of our pastures is by one of the main streets there next to the neighbors and the neighbors are always coming by and feeding my cattle candy bars and carrots and <laughs> all kinds of stuff, and we love it. And they bring their kids by, and they see them, and it's it's just a great a great thing that we have going there. And you've had a, an opportunity more than once to turn it into a chance to talk with the non-ag, you know, Arizona family member to about agriculture and kind of explain it and the complexities and the diversities of our industry. You've had some pretty interesting encounters. Well, we have. We've, we've had... Uh, because a lot of the urban folks that live around us aren't, you know, they're, they've, they're two or three or even five generations away from the farm, and they'll come by and ask all kinds of interesting questions. I had a young lady that she thought one of my gray Brahma bulls was a goat, and so we had a long conversation about the difference between a goat and a Brahma bull. <laughs> and, uh, and But we had a chance to bring her on the farm, and, and she really, for the first time, had a chance to see what we did and how, our humane practices and how we treat our animals. And she came away with a whole different view of agriculture. She was an animal rights activist and very active in that, and she she uh, learned quite a bit. And it was a great opportunity for me to hear her out and her concerns and expressed her what we did to take care of our animals. And to me, that's the, that's the main issue that urban folks need to understand, that in agriculture, in order for us to survive, we have to take care of our animals. We have to take care of the soil, uh, all of the additives we put in the soil, our plants. We are 100% totally dependent on the environment. And if we don't take care of the environment, we starve to death. Exactly. Well, it, this also brings up another question based on how busy it's on the farm. How do you straddle being the director of the Department of Agriculture here in Arizona and then farm? I, I know you've got a lot of kids, but... <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm fortunate. Two of my sons uh, run the ranches and the farms, and my brother and I are partners in our real estate and farming activities, so it's a family operation. And they're sort of used to me being diverted because I was in the legislature for 14 years, and then I ran the Department of Revenue, and then I was on the Board of Regents, and now I'm at the Ag Department. So so I'm kind of the utility player in the family. <laughs> I fill in where they need me to fill in, and... Um, but when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do, I'm doing work on the farm. And then I take a shower and put on my bureaucrat uniform and go to the Department of Agriculture. And I do all that stuff all day long. And then when I come home, I change my clothes and put my farmer uniform back on. 
and I'd do stuff on the farm into the evening. And so, really, my uh, life is 24 hours of farming and ranching, and then I try and slide a little bit of real estate in there sometime when my brother and I can talk and talk about what's going on with our properties and things like that. And we're hoping that you can grow tomatoes and can talk tomatoes, because that's going to be next. Uh, let's <laughs> see. <laughs> I know I can grow really good bulls, but we'll have to talk about this tomato business. Okay. Welcome back to our Farm Fresh Hour with Julie Murphy, spokeswoman for the Arizona Farm Bureau, and we've got Director of the Ag- Arizona Agriculture Department, Mark Killian, on the line. Agriculture is a $24 billion industry in the state, and, you know, I've been reading the Wall Street Journal lately, and, I mean, every time, it, it seems like there's something about farming every single day in the Wall Street Journal. And recently, it's been a lot of things like trouble spreads in soggy farm country. Talk about Ohio farmers that are flooded out. You've got, uh, and every time I see something like that, that is one more reason why agriculture in Arizona is so important because, and and how great it is to be here because we don't have to worry about the tornadoes and how much of the corn isn't planted because it was such a wet winter. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got this incredible right. climate that is not prone to natural disasters, and it works great for uh, producing our own. It really does, because uh, one of the phrases I stole from a colleague, uh, he always used to say, we can plant and harvest 12 months out of the year. So we're constantly, you know, we don't have to shut down during the winter. You do have to cheer us on and pray, though, that our water situation in certain segments of Arizona improve, because we do have some water issues, and, you know, we kind of... times we'll get beat up in the press because we highlight the fact that we agriculture is using 60 to 70 percent of the water and I always turn that back on the commentator and say well you're using that water because (laughs) we're all we all have to eat we don't have any choice in that matter we have to eat to live amen and Arizona ranks sixth in the nation for tomatoes produced in greenhouses Right. So this was fun because we had selected tomatoes as the highlight commodity for this particular uh, segment here in August. I can't believe it's already August. (laughs) I know. I decided to reach out to, I'm going to give him props today, Dave DeWalt, the numbers guy. He works for the uh, USDA NAS. NAS stands for the National Statistical Agricultural Services. And Dave DeWalt is our numbers guy here in Arizona. So he's always giving me some little trivia bits. And he just sent, I asked him about tomatoes, and he gave us that insight that they were ranked six. And uh, we've also found out that tomatoes are one of the most popular. It's actually a fruit, but we treat it like a vegetable. And there's a pretty neat statistic about that in there. And just, and Mark can speak to this just being the director for the Arizona Department of Agriculture, a lot of the production and produce that his inspection team is always seeing, whether that's something that's being imported or exported. But tomatoes are a big one, right, Mark? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, whether they're coming from Mexico or being grown in our state. In fact, I was touring a facility down by Amato not too long ago. It's, It's called Wholesome Farms. And I just went in one of their greenhouses, and they had 86,000 or 85,000 tomato plants in there. And it's all organic, and I've never seen so many tomatoes in my life. 
in one building. And it's absolutely fascinating how the technology has changed in the greenhouses and what they're doing. In fact, as we were walking up and down the uh, tomato uh, plants in the rows, um, they had these little boxes there. And I looked in there, and it was a box of bumblebees. Right. And and they they bring these little uh, bumblebees in to pollinate the plants and everything, all the fertilizer that is used is organic. It's all measured and there's all kinds of formulas they use. And gosh, the tomatoes were absolutely beautiful. And and we have situations like that all over the state. And uh, again, as Julie mentioned, because of our weather, uh, not only do we do things in greenhouses, but we also do stuff on out in the fields. And Arizona has developed and is continuing to develop one of the best reputations for edible crops in the world. Yes. And just because of the high quality, uh, the great skill set for the farmers that we have here in the state of Arizona. So I'm going to give uh, some interesting trivia. Though we recognize tomato as a vegetable, it's actually a fruit because the seeds are inside. So everybody wonders what went on. So in, I'm going to throw this out. In 1887, U.S. tariff laws imposed a duty on vegetables, but not on fruits. This meant the status of tomatoes became a matter of legal importance. (laughs) The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in the case of Nix versus Hedden that tomatoes were to be considered vegetables based on the popular definition that classifies vegetables by use, where they are usually served with dinner and not as a dessert. However, the court did not reclassify, and this is the little caveat that I think is so fascinating, the courts did not reclassify the tomato botanically. So it's basically a fruit. We just recognize it as a vegetable. (laughs) So every single kid out there listening, when your mom says, eat your fruit, you'd be like, Mom, I'm eating my pizza. I got plenty of tomatoes on here. I'm eating my fruit. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, market lots of ketchup. <laughs> yes, lots of ketchup, and the mix of everything that your family grows. Have you guys ever done the tomato? No, we haven't. But in our little small family garden, uh, we've grown tomatoes. And there's a wonderful website that you can go to. That if you type in growing tomatoes in Arizona, there's a place that'll tell you the ten tips to growing. Uh, uh, tomatoes in Arizona, and I think I've only followed three of those tips. Maybe that's why my tomatoes haven't been as good as they need to be, but you know, if if you follow those instructions, you can grow wonderful beefsteak tomatoes and, and the vine tomatoes as well as the cherry tomatoes. All sorts of tomatoes. Historians say tomatoes originally came from Peru, where Aztec's name translates into plump thing with a navel. <laughs> Which is funny because when you think tomatoes and pizza and pasta and Italian food, you know, tomatoes are so inherent. But uh, the, the original tomatoes to the Mediterranean were yellow. Oh, so much trivia. By the way, this article is on fillyourplate.org on the blog, including highlighting more statistics about Arizona tomatoes. They're an excellent source of vitamin C, vitamin K, potassium, magnesium, copper. Copper, that's a metal. Dietary fiber, vitamin A, vitamin B6, fluorate, vitamin E, phosphorus, and about six other things I can't pronounce. So we need to, have, we need to be eating more pizza with a lot of tomato sauce, right? 
Lots of tomato sauce. And cooked tomatoes are healthier than raw tomatoes I, because it releases more of the these nutrients. nutrients yeah, that's what I thought was so cool is just that actually cooking them. So, Mark, do you guys cook with a lot of tomatoes? Is there some Italian in your background? We have no Italians, but uh, we that doesn't keep us from co-opting uh, tomatoes, whether it's in Mexican food or in Italian food. My wife's a wonderful cook, and uh, we love tomatoes, and she loves to grow them. I kind of took a poll of some of my leaders at the Department of Ag about their favorite tomatoes, and what they said, some of them like the early girl, others like the beefsteak and the romas. And uh, But one thing they talked about that was most important is to make sure you encourage pollinators in your garden so oh. that you can get those blossoms pollinated. So whatever you can do to inc- include uh, encourage bees to and butterflies to be around your garden is extremely important, making sure you get the right pollination on those tomatoes. Mark, what was that website, the 10 Tips to Growing Great Tomatoes? It is called, I'm looking at it right now. Because Jennifer, Jennifer and I have given up on tomatoes in our garden. <laughs> uh, because uh, you, you were talking about a location that had 85,000 plants. You know, that's probably, right. that's probably close to a million tomatoes. You know, and and probably nine hundred ninety nine thousand of those look better than any one I've ever produced out of my garden. I just can't do tomatoes. Well, you know, it, it's a struggle. It's called Growing in the Garden. Is the is the is the uh, website? And, and then if you type in. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, if you just type in uh, Growing Tomatoes in Arizona, it takes you to the website, and it's got ten tips. And I think. And if you go, go to fill your plate also and you just type in tomatoes, there's about two or three articles that will talk about how to grow them too. And then how to cook them and prep them. Yeah. I'm right? everything on fill yep. your plate. Jennifer <laughs> Jennifer went and picked up a whole do you call them a batch of tomatoes? Are they a bushel? Or a what bushel? are they? A, a bushel bunch. probably. Bush. Bush. I don't know, Mark. You're the director of the Arizona <laughs> Department of Agriculture. A bag of tomatoes. Huh? A bag. <laughs> what was that? What was that you fixed, Jennifer? Because well, I'm, I'm not a big tomato person, because cooked tomatoes give me indigestion, and I love a raw tomato with just a little salt and mayo on it, and I love it on my sandwiches. But we don't cook with a lot of tomatoes. But you, what did you whip up? That was absolutely delicious. Well, it was roasted tomato recipe. And we used to make it a lot when the kids were little. And if you if you were lucky enough to have a bumper crop of tomatoes or find them on sale, it's a great recipe. You need about 20 of them, and you mix them with some olive oil and some um, herbs and just bake it for a long time. The, the recipe's up on Facebook if you want it. And they're just they're great. You could eat them by themselves with a cracker. You can put some cheese over them and have them as a little hors d'oeuvre. Or you could mix them with your pasta and some pine nuts and have a dinner. And so, Rosie, you may not have realized it at the time when she was cooking them a lot when the kids were growing up. You were getting more nutrients because they were cooked tomatoes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, they're part of the Mediterranean diet, which is yeah. ultra healthy for you. Yes. Yeah. Now, when we plant tomatoes, we do them every year. You know, they come, you get your fruit, and then they die. So how is it that they've got a 56-square-meter tomato plant at Walt Disney Resort in Florida? I mean, does it? Do they replant it every year, or is it? It's it's Disney. Mickey probably tends to it. Come on, <laughs> everything there is magical, so we shouldn't be surprised that they can grow a big tomato plant. <laughs> That's fun. Well, um, you know, this segment we wanted to give you a chance 
uh, Mark, to share a few things that you're doing at the Arizona Department of Ag and some of the top issues, top priorities. Well, you know, uh, a lot of people don't know about the Department of Ag, and it's probably one of the most important uh, agencies in state government because the things that we do there impact uh, people every single day. And I'll just give you a, a good example. You know, we do testing of milk and meat and chicken, and uh, we inspect the, the plants. We inspect all the food or all the vegetables coming out of Mexico. Any movement of any plants or animals in and out of the state of Arizona, we take care of those things. Not only do we do that, but we teach people about the proper use of pesticides, herbicides. We also, through our Weights and Measures Division, we inspect all the gas pumps in the state. We go into the stores and check all the scales to make sure that they're operating properly. So when you buy your groceries and you slide a 10-pound bag of tomato or potatoes across the uh, scale at the cash register, we make sure that those are weighing accurately and that that cash register reflects that. All those price postings you see in the stores, we regulate that to make sure that the price that is listed on the shelf is what is reflected at the cash register. We also check to see what's going on in those boxes. If you go in there and buy a five-pound box of Bisquick, we make sure you get five pounds of Bisquick and not five pounds of air. Wow. Uh, we also deal with um, the chemical compositions of, of pesticides and herbicides, so when you buy those products, we make sure that they're tested and accurate, so what's on the label is in the bottle or the bag. Same thing is with seeds. We test seeds to make sure that they're germinating correctly and that they are the right kind of seeds in those bags. And so any given point in time and day in Arizona, when you go to the grocery store, this is a scary thought. I'm standing there next to you, making sure that you get what you pay for. When you go to the gas pump, I'm standing there next to you, making sure that if you says you're getting a gallon of gas, you're getting a gallon of gas. And uh, That's okay, Mark, because you you're a good guy. <laughs> That's right. scary. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you. Yeah, right. Well, so... <laughs> Our, 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 we do a lot of things to protect the health and safety of the public, and particularly when you get into looking at testing uh, of milk and, and meat and chicken and cheese and dairy products, and we also uh, uh, inspect the eggs that we have from our wonderful egg growers here in Arizona. We do a lot of things that protect the public. And then on top of that, we're trying to keep all those nasty bugs and organisms out of our state that would impact not only agriculture, but homeowners. I mean, we're trying to keep those nasty bugs out that would hurt trees and plants and shrubs around people's homes. And as you know, 20, almost 25% of the value of a home is wrapped up in all of those plants and shrubs that people have, and they have a lot of investment in that, and we want to make sure that we don't get some of those nasty bugs that are in other states. You know, you probably could double uh, your staff, and you still would not have enough to take care of everything that the department is doing. <laughs> Wouldn't you lie? If the go governor is hearing me say that, he's going to get a little stressed. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's true. We, we don't have enough people, but we do the best we can. And we have wonderful people that work at the department. They're dedicated. Do. And they understand their responsibilities. And we're there to help the public and the farming and ranching community. And anytime the public has any questions about anything as it relates to food and uh, crops and and uh, gas stations and the quality of fuel and 
Another issue we've been working on that you've heard a little bit about in the news are these credit card skimmers at the gas pumps. And so our inspectors check those gas pumps to make sure that there aren't credit card skimmers in there. And we recommend to people never use a debit card at a gas pump. Never, never, never. These uh, credit card skimmer guys can get into a pump in seven seconds, install those skimmers. Now they've got Bluetooth and wireless devices on there. They can sit in their car across the street and take your credit card number and, 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 and your code and... They'll be printing your credit card in New York and spending your money. It's just crazy. And, you know, another thing that the Department of Ag has been— I I think I just heard uh, Director Mark Killian advise (laughs) all of our Arizona homeowners that when you pay for your gas, pay in cash. Pay in cash (laughs) or a credit card because credit cards do typically cover uh, fraud, but— a debit. You still don't want to go through that. Yeah, but you, you're right. You yeah. still don't want to go through that. But another really cool thing that the department's really been front and center on is this whole hemp thing. It's It passed in the, on the federal lay, uh, level with the new farm bill, and now we had to – but tell us a little bit about that real quick. Well, the, under the new 2018 farm bill, they legalized hemp uh, nationwide, and the USDA is given to each – to write their own rules and regulations in accordance with what the USDA is going to do. And so we put a team of growers together to, re- to, put up with, to create the rules and regulations for the growing of hemp in Arizona. That has started. The hemp uh, plants are being planted in June. We anticipate that we had requests to plant, I think, about 35,000 acres of hemp, uh, about 22 acres under roof uh, in um, greenhouses. Now, that, that all hasn't been planted yet, but it's going to be very exciting to see how that works out. If hemp does work out like I hope it does, uh, that could be a real boost to the Arizona economy. And remember, hemp is rope, not dope. So yes. there's a difference between hemp and, and, and marijuana. And so I one was, of the things we do is we will test those hemp plants to make sure the THC is not over the 0.3 uh, amount. And uh, and so we work very closely with the growers on that. And if I was gonna, about to ask you, can you list off a few of the uses of hemp? Because it is an extensively used product and was a, a foundation of the, of the Agriculture Department in America, you know, from, you know, Back to the, the, the colonial days through about the turn of the 19th century. Right. That's so true. Rope. You know, hemp is used in ropes. It's used in uh, fabrics. The CBD oil, there are all kinds of pharmaceutical uses. There are some uh, feed additives that can go into vitamins for animals. Uh, as they develop the hemp more and more research is done at the universities, I think the applications for hemp will be endless. Hemp lotion. I tried some of that. <laughs> yep. All sorts of fun stuff. So, to say the least, the Arizona Department of Agriculture is a department on the move, is a department that's very active. It's a department that's helping our Arizona families have safe, healthy, wonderful food. That's very true. And we're there as a resource. If anyone ever has a question about what to grow, we have a, uh, a growing guide. We also have the guide to Arizona Ag that's on our website. Uh, anytime you have a question about anything you want to buy as it relates to seed or fertilizer or anything you want as far as plants, 
you're concerned about the products that you buy in the store, you call us and we'll be happy to answer your questions. And Mark is so right that the people that work for the Department of Agriculture, I know so many of them just great. It's a great team that you have. So thank you for all you guys do. I was reading through your facts again. And you had a fun one, I'm sure. That Dave DeWalt put together for us. Yes. For the broadcast today. Yeah. And he's with the... U.S. USDA NAS. Uh, we all know we the got... acronym USDA, but the National Agricultural Statistical Service. I mean, we got acronyms up to a lot. Oh, I know. We do. <laughs> but according to the History Channel, tomatoes were put on trial in, on June 28, 1820 in Salem, New Jersey. In front of the courthouse, Robert Johnson ate a horde of tomatoes in order to prove they weren't poisonous as the crowd and court waited around to watch him die. <laughs> and the caveat is he did not die. <laughs> so they got over worrying about them being poisonous. Heinz tomato ketchup has a speed limit. If the sauce pours at more than 0. .028 miles per hour, it is rejected. Yes. Not bottled, sent off, off <laughs> the assembly line to be, I don't know, fertilizer for the next tomato plants or something. Tomatoes are the state fruit for New Jersey, maybe because of that day Mr. Johnson ate that hoard. <laughs> They're official state fruit of Ohio. Tomato juice is the f official beverage of Ohio. Ohio's come up a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Arkansas took both sides. The Arkansas vine ripe pink tomato is a state fruit and state vegetable due to its culinary and botanical classification. A tomato is just, you know, it's just well, a good fruit to eat. Before we get off the topic, can I offer... One Rosie on the house staycation to anyone that can answer this question. Yes. On Jennifer and I's first date, I told a joke. And the punchline was, gee, mister, you're a good tomato thrower. But we can't remember any of the rest of the joke. <laughs> Anybody that knows the beginning of that joke, it's the one that got Jennifer interested in marrying me. I, and I thought, well, anyone that can laugh that easy, I, well, I'll be able to make her laugh the rest of her life. <laughs> We'll have lots of fun together. So if you know the whole joke, the punchline is, gee, mister, you sure are a good mater thrower. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a staycation if you know the rest of that joke. Phone, one 888 rosie for you. Text 411-923 or email it to info at rosieonthehouse.com. If you know the lead-up to the punchline of the joke, Gee, mister, you're a good mater thrower. We want to know it. <laughs> that is classic. I love that one. Well, um, Stephanie might be on the she's line. She's on the line. Okay, so she's on the line. She's going to talk a little bit more about Arizona Farm Bureau. And we just want to highlight that fillyourplate.org is our website for our Arizona families where you can go and source for recipes, farmers markets, now visiting farms. That's a new feature on Fill Your Plate. And also, obviously, products that you can buy directly. But, Steph, talk to us. We've been all over the state in just the last 24 hours, right? I think she's on. She and Mark are both on. So we're, oh, okay. We're punching the buttons. Can behind you hear me? Her. Oh, there she is. Okay. We got the right button punched. So talk to us about Arizona Farm Bureau and what you've been up to. 
possibly just amazing about tomatoes, and y'all just missed it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so it's good to be on with you all this morning. And, uh, yeah, we're crisscrossing the state for the next month. Um, Julie and I and the rest of Farm Bureau folks will be everywhere from Kingman to Wilcox and Yuma to Concho. So this is our time of year that we travel to all the counties, and we meet with our members and every different type of, of sector of the of the industry and talk about their lives and how things are going and what's important to them and what concerns them. And then we take that back to, to the state office, so to speak, and we try to help them out with that. So as I've said before, we're truly a grassroots organization and this is our busy, busy time of the year, putting the miles on. Uh, In fact, Stephanie Smallhouse, Arizona Farm Bureau's president, uh, I had subjected her yesterday morning between 9.30 and what I think we visited on Instagram Live until about 10.30. So I subjected her to the heat, but she's used to it. She's a farmer rancher. And as our Arizona Farm Bureau president, we put her through the grill on a lot of things. And um, so she was up on one of the mesas plateau on their ranch talking about their saguaro cactus nursery and then their beef cattle and then that evening, her and I were in Parker in for the La Paz County Farm Bu- Farm Bureau annual meeting, right? And this morning you're in Phoenix, so and yes, this morning I'm in Phoenix. So we're all over. But, we're all over the place. And, yes, but so. you stayed in Parker. How's it? How is it this morning? It's hot. It's still hot. It was hot last night, and it's hot this morning. <laughs> but Parker's a Parker Parker's a nice place to get out on the river and have fun. And our folks up here, there are lots of farms. If you've never been up in La Paz County in Parker along the Colorado River, um, there are a lot of farms up here, and and a lot of agriculture going on, and a lot of good people. So, are you guys going to do some water skiing or anything? I know you have your daughter Han- Hannah with you, so maybe you guys can enjoy a little bit of the Colorado River. Well, probably not. As I said last night, my daughter's a permitted driver, and now I have a driver to drive me around the state, and that feels a little bit like water skiing sometimes, so <laughs> we'll probably skip that on the river. <laughs> okay. Well, what else can you say real quickly about membership and anything fun? That- well, I just I would just say in terms of membership, um, this is a good reminder this time of year that we need uh, – we need all of those great folks that are farming and ranching to, to be members of Arizona Farm Bureau. So when we get out there across the state and meet with y'all, we get a, a good idea of what your needs and issues are. And we also uh, sure do appreciate those non-ag members um, so that we can um, communicate with you and outreach with you about agriculture in Arizona, pretty much like what you're doing today. So well, and I appreciate direct, Director Killian being on today. Yes, thank you. And for non-ag members like myself, uh, that membership's 60 bucks a year, and it comes with a ton of savings, and you get a, a, on the newsletter. I mean, it's if you enjoy to eat every day. Which I do, <laughs> definitely. It's, it's the best $60 you can spend. Yes. And Mark you'll and Steph. Your, you'll you'll pay for your membership through the membership benefits probably in the first two weeks. So, Thanks, Steph and Mark, for all you do and all you've given us. Julie Murphy with the Arizona Farm Bureau, Mark Killian, Director of the Arizona Department of Ag, and Stephanie Smallhouse, the former Director of the Arizona Farm Bureau. Thanks for this Farm Fresh Hour.